Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. Cigar shop just opened up this past week, and on the internet they were talking about whether or not masks would be mandatory. And the owner said, "Yeah, you uh, have to wear a mask if you're not smoking." And somebody else piped in and said, uh, "Yeah, how about pants?" And he said, "Yeah, well, we're mandatory too." And of course, I piped in and said, "How about retirees?" And I got an exclusion, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> you get a discount on coffees, and you don't have to wear pants. That's the benefit yeah. of being retired. Yeah, right. So, so it is. Uh... <laughs> The Cigar Tipsters podcast. It is a late September edition here. Um, as some of you have noticed from the last couple of shows, cigar knowledge is required. Pants apparently are not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm well. I mean, if we're going to be just full disclosure, honest, I'm in a bathrobe right now, so I'm not wearing pants technically. But anyway, um, Junior, Senior, Ben, uh, Jerry, with you, uh, special guest with us tonight, uh, Jerry's uh, better half. Uh, Darlene is also on here with us. That's Sam. That's Hi, Sam. Darlene. Hi. Good to talk and to you guys. Yeah. Definitely. And she, uh, she is uh, with us because we wanted them to talk about um, their little adventure down to the um, Perdomo factory. So we yes. figured we'd start the show off with that and kind of let you guys lead with the story there. Okay. Well, we flew into to Managua and then the next day we got on a school bus with all the windows open. It was about 90 degrees when we left Managua but by the time we got to Esteli up in the mountains the temperature had dropped to about 80 so it wasn't too bad up there and we had a nice hotel it was a hacienda style you know all the rooms were like around in a circle with a courtyard in the middle and it was open air so it was pretty comfortable you know and Three meals a day, all the cigars we could smoke, and all the alcohol we could drink. Nice. <laughs> so it's <was> fun. <laughs> nice. Pretty fun. So. If, if you'll notice, I don't talk a whole lot when wife's around. So anyway, go ahead. Oh, Good. listen. So, okay. First day of the tour, uh, Nick took us. It, Nick did this whole tour himself. He took us to the uh, to the factory, and we did a little present. He did a little presentation and showed us how they do, how they, um, harvest the seeds from the flowers, you know, on the blooms, and uh, showed us how they separate the seeds uh, from the husks. And then he created his own little machine that, that sifts those seeds out and it shakes them through like a screen, several screens, to get just to the seed to drop into the bucket. And it's interesting, it's, it works pretty much like a flower sifter. You ever saw your mom sift flour to bake a cake? It's yeah. sort of the same concept, and it separates the husks from the seeds. And uh, then he also created a machine that plants those seeds one at a time, drops them into these little pods about the size of a uh, shot glass, and it'll drop about 28 seeds yeah. in one pass. One of, one of the really impressive things about that, besides the process itself, was the fact that, that Dick Perdomo actually invented these machines. That's pretty cool. Think, I want to give you this props right off. I tell you what, it is an amazing situation where you have a CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation who will take three days of his own time to show 18 people through the entire process. And I mean, he has a thorough knowledge of every step. It's kind of an amazing thing. Yes. That's really and, cool. Uh, I have a trivia question for you guys. See which one of you can guess it. Trivia question. How many seeds does a tobacco plant produce, a single tobacco plant produce? Any guesses? 300,000. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll guess. Um, Mark, you've heard me talk about this. You should remember this. Yeah. Memory, memory, memory and me are not strong friends. Okay. Uh, but I'll guess 25. Can, how many? 25? 25? <laughs> Close. One I'll say 100. 100. Yeah. How many? I'll say 100. 100? Okay. You're not even close. It can produce up to 5,000 seeds. Well, that was my second guess. 
one little, really? one little husk they pull off, one little dried flower they pull off and put it in your hand and you can, you know, uh, squeeze it around and shake the seeds out. And the middle, the palm of your hand will be full of these tiny seeds. They're smaller than a pepper, than a, a, pep, uh, a ground pepper. You know, that, that's how small they are. They're tiny, 5,000. I couldn't believe that. Wow. Anyway, that was interesting. Okay, then, cool. then as day two, we went to the tobacco field, um, the newest field that he has, which is approximately the size of nine football stadiums. It's a beautiful wow. sight to see. Yeah, huge. Yeah. He, and, and in the background, you see all the mountains around surrounding it, you know, and it's just a sight to behold. He named this field Natalie after his daughter. And oh. uh, they, they took us around on this little um, cart, like a hay wagon, you know, and, we sat in there and took the tour of the field. They start you from the beginning plants. They, they set them in the ground when they're about 14 inches tall and they can grow up to six feet tall. They say they can grow three to four inches per day. And the interesting thing about that was when the plants get larger. Yeah, they, they actually work the fields with tractors until the point that they, they no longer have room because of the size of the tractor, the tractor tires. So that's when you go back to using the old oxen and the plows. I'm sure you guys have probably seen that classic picture. But we, we thought that was pretty cool that that process is still done with some of the oxen in the field. So they use the tractors in the beginning and then go back when the plants get to a certain size yeah. where the tractors can't yeah, fit through them without crushing them. Right, the exactly. Fly. The rows get narrow, they go back to, actually go back to the plows and the oxen, which is kind of interesting. Huh, that's pretty interesting. I wouldn't have yeah. guessed that. Uh -uh. Well, it, it was remarkable when you saw the different uh, areas at where the time frame was, uh, you know, there could be like a week or two between something like that, between a, a field. But it's remarkable because, again, uh, that tobacco can grow three to four inches a day, which is amazing. I have a question. How do they do the irrigation on a field that size? Okay. What do you ask? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. He went to Israel and talked to the Israelis because they know more about irrigation than anyone. And uh, he adopted their technology and it's underground irrigation. The pipes are all run underground and it waters the roots instead of the top of the plants. Waters the roots and that way it, it, it eliminates a lot of rot and, and bugs and infestation because the leaves are not always wet. You know what I mean? They yeah. do get yeah. rain and they monitor the rainfall and they monitor those fields by, tech, by computer. So they know at any given point how much water is in the soil and how much they need to add. Actually, it's amazing. Actually, the man has two full-time meteorologists on staff. Really? And he actually duplicated the water treatment plant that they use in Israel. He said, you know, who knows more about, about uh, water than the, the Israelis? So I give his props for that. It was pretty impressive. And it's computer monitored, the fields, as far as the oh, yeah. water and... Yeah. Yes, they have drones huh. that fly over and and keep an eye on things, but then they, they monitor the soil um, by computer. That's really cool. It, I didn't know that. They, they married the technology in with the growing, you know. So anyway, they tie the tobacco with these little red ribbons and tie so many branches together, like 10 or something. And then they pass them up to the guys on ladders and they climb up into the rafters of the barn and they, they start them at the top and then every few days they rotate them down from the top. So they get less of the bright sun and they get, you know, and the newer ones go to the top in the heat. And that's how they, that's how they cure them. Ooh, oh, the cool. kuhas, like the lades, the wooden, wooden slat, like beams sort of like, I guess, right. poles. Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay, yes. okay, I know what you mean. In Kentucky, we call those tobacco sticks, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> tobacco. I used to do the same thing in Kentucky. I was always somehow the guy at the top of the barn. I'm not real sure, but I think it was just because I was low in seniority. But anyway, remarkable, okay. remarkable system. One thing about it too, when you're there, it's it's a, a fun experience all the way through, but it's also at the boot camp. You get up at seven o'clock, you eat breakfast, you get on a bus at eight, you missed the bus, you're done. <laughs> you lost a day, you know, so lunch, you get back. There's too much to do to come back and get you. Uh, it's, yes, it's just absolutely, absolutely amazing. But it it's, it's, it's like a boot camp, but it's very interesting yeah. at the same time because you learn everything about the process. So after we left there, the curing barns, then we went back to the factory 
And on the way to the factory every day from the hotel to the factory, we pass lot 23. Uh, you guys are familiar. Yeah, lot 23. Lot, lot 23, yes. So we saw the oldest field and the newest field. And that's that was their oldest one where they do the lot 23. Tobacco comes from that, that field. So, and where in Nicaragua, this is in Nicaragua, right? This is where in Esteli. Yeah. It's in Esteli, okay. Yes. I mean, we literally went past my father's cigars and a lot of those other, other factories going and coming to the fields every day. So, yeah, you're definitely in cigar country up there. Yes. So, um, okay, then the That's... third day we went back to the factory and observed the fermentation process and how they rotate the tobacco constantly from the months. outside to the end to the inside and uh, they let us come up and they raised it up and said, put your hand under here. You can feel the heat coming off that tobacco as it ferments. And it's in a room that's about a hundred and- It averages 108 degrees in there. And the humidity is like 80%. Yeah. High wow. humidity, high temperature. Yeah. And they have young people in there rotating these constantly. I mean, this is a constant process to make sure that everything's fermenting e evenly. And uh, we talked about labor intensive, it was pretty impressive. But now we want to- Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask because I've seen uh, I've seen a video of Nick Perdomo. He has like these giant, like he puts the tobaccos. You could I could be wrong, but like almost like drum wheels, like huge wheels that constantly turn the tobacco, like automatically. Is that is that something he has at his factory? He does, but most of the stuff is still done by hand. Okay. Okay. Uh, the basic uh, curing, the basic cutting, curing, fermenting, that sort of stuff is done by hand. And believe me, again, uh, we've talked about this before. This is a very labor intensive business. And you know, when you go through the process here, it's not surprising that every cigar is not $40 because there's a lot of labor that goes involved. But you know, you meet a lot of really interesting personalities in this business. And we just want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about one. This gentleman's name is Arista Garcia. He is the, he is the manager of the fermenting department. This gentleman is 90 years old. He smokes 20 cigars a day, which he hand rolls as he needs them. Uh, he walks 10 miles a day in the factory. He has four kids. He has a kid who's 64, a kid who's 48, a kid who was what, 12? 12. And, and a kid 10. who was seven. And those were all DNA tested. They were his. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yes. What? So he's, he doesn't have a tooth in his head, but he can roll those those yeah. cigars. Yeah. He's 90. Touch him with his knife. Yeah. He's, he's 90. 90 years old. Still he, working every day. He had a heart attack and went back to work four days later. I think men Very like that forget that they're old. That's right. that they're old. Like, I got stuff to do. I'm sorry. I don't have time to decide today. I've got shit to do. He's, he's living his dream. <laughs> even, though, even though he's 90, he's still a hound, too. Yeah. But uh, actually, Nick's dad brought him over from Cuba like decades ago. So, like I said, you meet some interesting people. That is cool. That's very cool. Yeah, so we went from the fermenting room back over to the rolling room, and there are, there are 360 rollers in one huge Holy room. Holy cow. Okay, the, the interesting thing about that is, well, they took time to stop and beat their little things to give us an applause for being there, to say welcome to all of us. But then after that stop, you, didn't, you could hear a pin drop. And they went right back to work, and they keep their heads down. There's no chatting. 360 people in a room, and you can hear a pin drop. And they, they're immaculately, uh, uh, they keep the floors swept constantly. Yeah, when we were walking through the, the, the uh, rolling room there, uh, I was smoking a cigar. You could smoke everywhere except in the uh, room where they did the box because of the lack of it being explosive. But anyway, I was smoking a cigar and asked him if I could put it out. And the guy who's doing the tour is, uh, at that point, was not Nick. It was Nick's admin assistant, who's an interesting guy. But anyway, he said, just throw it in the corner. They'll be around to sweep it up in about 15 minutes. And he was right. They literally what? had people that do nothing but sweep the floor. All the yes. Now, the place you could, it's clean. you could eat off the floors there. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. I have been to some other factories in the Dominican Republic, and I've been in the Nicaragua, but I have, I have never seen so much close to, uh, so, such a close attention to quality and cleanliness uh, anywhere. And detail. It's very impressive. Yes. And then why also, did the torcedores not talk to one another? Why do they keep it? I mean, just so they can focus on the work and not get distracted. They're not. It's not like mandatory. Okay, it's not like you can't talk, and they do talk among themselves, but it's very quiet. The thing of it is, they're paid by cigar, so they are in, so intent on that product they're making 
that uh, it was impressive, it really was. They have quotas they want to meet see. every day, so they don't stop and waste any time. They do no. get breaks, and they have to go back and get more supplies and check them out at the room back there through the window if they need more tobacco, more rolling tobacco or whatever. And they sign it out and go back to their desk, and there it's just all business, you know. Interesting. Uh, another, so they play afterwards. Another interesting story. Probably, I know you guys, I, I, yeah, I, I know what you guys are going to we're talking about here, but here, but probably the most famous cigar poster in the world is a Perdomo poster of a beautiful woman. I actually have it on my, on my deck out here. A beautiful woman in a peasant blouse, her skirts pulled up, and she's rolling a cigar in her thighs. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's right. a real thing. Probably seen okay, that you've probably seen that poster. Yes, yes. Yeah. Almost yeah. every cigar oh, yeah. shop in yeah. America. She was, she was yeah. an employee. However, she worked in accounting, and Nick said they hadn't let her go because she tried to railroad one of the other girls. <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit wow. of a temper. Okay. But the interesting, another interesting fact is the scraps that they get from cutting when they cut the cigars and trim them down. The scraps are kept and collected daily, and they send those to Russia to use as nicotine patches. Make nicotine patches. Yeah, and they really? make like $4 million a year just off the scrap. Yes. Wow. So, so they don't use it to make like man knows how to cigarettes. Make it's for yeah. nicotine patches. They do. Nicotine patches. They do make some, some little. No, uh, that's not Nick. He's talking about what the Russians are doing. Yeah, what the okay. Russians do. But Nick does use some of the the cuttings for the well he makes a machine cigar too you guys know that a it's small machine rolled, rolled yeah. cigarillo which, which was also interesting too because the machinery that they used to make those cigarillos was built in the 30s okay and i think he said they came from germany and he actually keeps he's got a lot of equipment like that it's one of a kind and very old but very efficient he actually keeps a guy i make a tech a, a, an engineer a tool, no not an engineer a tool die maker on on site to make any project what they need for these machines because they're so old they're, they're not available you have to cut so them breaks down they just make a new part yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it breaks down they just make a new part it's more efficient than trying to find a whole new machine if the machine's still working it's cheaper to get a part made um when you were with the yeah. doors in that room was there a that's lector right. was there somebody reading stories out that's true and, uh, no I, you know the fact is i've been i've never seen that but, but i've never seen lecture why don't you explain for our, our listeners what that is elector yeah something that started back in uh i think it originated in cuba but basically what they would do is they would have somebody dedicated to reading either stories or the news um and his job was to just stand there all day and read out loud um as basically the entertainment instead of having a screen or watching television they would read aloud so they could hear um, almost like a live podcast, I guess, as it was, but that's just how they help pass the time. And so you read, there's, you know, novels or news or whatever it might be, but as a, they yeah, call right. lectors or. Yeah, you know, a, a live podcast. That's a very funny term, Ben. It's called radio. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I would imagine, Ben, by now, probably Cigar Tipsers has probably replaced lecturers. Okay? Well, it's that Virgin Mimosa, Mark, is what Yeah, it is. exactly. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> I'm trying to order virgin mimosas, <laughs> but, but no, I have I have been in a few factories, and I, and I, and I did think about that, but no, we, they didn't have it. So that's okay. That's just I think so it's all the, been replaced with phones and iPods these days. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I would think so, so. Life has really changed, right? Yeah. 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 So anyway, let's, let's, let's not monopolize the time here. Let's skip up to the fourth day here. The aging process. Uh, he yes. has like. Nine and a half million cigars in aging rooms in anticipation for future growth. In oh, other words, shit. he could shut down his factory yeah, for Nick, months. Nick Perdomo not, yeah. could stop production tomorrow and have enough cigars for five years plus anticipated growth. This man is a, he is a businessman. He is. And uh, we won't go into a lot of detail about the rest of the process, but they make their own boxes. They paint the boxes. Everything is done the there box. in the factory except the uh, the packaging and the bands, which is those fancy bands they put inside the boxes, they have those printed elsewhere and they bring them back there. And then after the boxes are done, they put those those uh, wrappers and they put yeah. the bands on the cigars. They seal them there. They have shrink wrap. Again, the machine that they shrink wrap, we got to see the champagne. You know how those are shrink wrapped in the yeah. orange. It's actually an orange shrink wrap and it makes it look gold, you know, when you put it on the cigar. Yeah. 
And the machine that does that, they purchased in 1951, I think, or something from the Germans. Again, the guy who runs that machine also can make parts if it breaks down. Yeah. So everything is done in the factory from the beginning, from the seeds to when they seal and shrink wrap the boxes yeah. and put them in boxes for shipping. And, and absolute props to Nick, Nick Lodomo because Nick, Nick, how many CEOs can literally walk through their whole manufacturing process and, and know it in detail? So yeah, not many. I would recommend to anybody. Again, besides, you know, the, the housing was great. Uh, like like Darlene said, every time we stopped, they throw three or four cigars at us. We smoked our brains out and came back with a box of cigars and all the booze you could smoke, all the great food you could eat. Booze you could smoke. The facility was good. <laughs> He's, yeah. He's had a little bit too much bourbon. Just excuse him. <laughs> okay. A little nip of gin. Mark, let's cut so that one out. All the booze it sounds like the virtue. Smoke, so, but, <laughs> but anyway, I would recommend the tour. I, again, I've been fortunate enough to have been to a few other factories, but by far this tour was probably the most interesting. When did you go on this tour? We went there in February. We actually met a group from Stogie Smoke Stop up here locally. Who We were in Miami at the time, so we just met them at the Miami airport and flew over. So, but I, And the, the cost of the trip is $475. That's it? That's it. That's it. Oh my and, God, and Nick, that's a box Nick, of cigars. <laughs> Nick, Nick has never raised the cost and he says he probably never will. He says he's actually losing money, but he likes having people come there. So kudos to Dick Romo. He's great. He's a great man and a great cigar man. And because well, he controls the, every piece. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. One of the amazing things is he has very little that he outsources that he has to rely on anybody because no he, he is he is he is totally vertically integrated everything he does is his and he controls it and he has the knowledge to control it with i mean he's, he's an amazing man i'll give him his props so that was our tour yeah. it was very interesting so was it his father's business first and then nick took yes. over and aggrandized yes, it, but about- his father started the company yeah, his, his father actually had been in the cigar business for quite some time before him, and he actually told his dad, I want to go into business, and his dad said, you're a moron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, after I produced 100,000 cigars, he said, well, maybe you're not such a moron. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're an idiot. Yeah, but I, I, I tell you, I have nothing but respect for the man. He, he's an amazing man. And it's, again, there are so many personalities like in this business. It's really nice. That's really cool that it's not all just fanfare sitting in lounges smoking. That's kind of the end result, but the process to get exactly. there, it sounds like it's, 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 it's a virtuous process. journey and you control about every piece of it. So it becomes consistent quality because you're controlling every aspect yeah. of it. One, yeah, no doubt about that. If you take that tour, you will be impressed by how much control he has over virtually everything and everything is done his way or there's a highway. And I'm not saying a mean way, but he knows how he wants things done and that's how it gets done. And I, you know, I have a lot of respect. I had respect for him before we went, but I have a lot more for him now. There's a lot of CEOs, even in the cigar business, that are very, like, laissez-faire. Like, they just sit in the office and maybe right. do phone calls, and they're mm-hmm. not on the factory floor. They're not directly involved. So I respect someone who is mm-hmm. humble enough to say, listen, you know, I oh, think it's I, because if he grew up doing it, like, in the factory floor, he has a respect and right. for mm-hmm. doing that. Right. Rather than just walking into an office, you're now the CEO, and you're going to sit here in your, in, in your big office and let everybody yeah. else do all the hard work. He's not a He's an advocate of hard work. And typically, typical of Cubans, he's very family-oriented. He spoke very often about his son. He spoke very often about his father. And we were driving out one day, and he pointed at an old pickup truck sitting over, and he said, that was my dad's. I'll never sell it. You know, wow. good people, good, solid people. That's, that's awesome. How many of his family members are also involved? I mean, both of his kids? Or Nick, Nick wife, Jr. I guess is very much is. involved. I don't know if anybody else at this point is or not, but I know uh, he, he sounds... His dad speaks very well of him, and I think he'll be an, an excellent successor when the time comes. But I don't okay. see Nick stepping down anytime now. He enjoys what he does. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool to hear that that's, it's a yeah. reality it's, thing. It's not just. It's a great know. business, from my experience, for a lot of really great people. Hard work pays off. Sometimes. Yep. <laughs> in, this case, in this case it sounds like at least in this case in this, in this case it absolutely did because he, he can still talk about the first time he bought tobacco and the first time he bought it was half a pound oh yeah that's how it started that's how it started 
Amazing. That's very cool. Say, Here's your half pound, you're more on. Tell <laughs> <laughs> me what you can do, and he did. Yeah. Show me what you can do, cigar boy. Yeah. That was the motivation. It, it wasn't like, hey, son, you can definitely do this because you're an idiot. And then I was like, okay, yeah. I'll show you. And then that, all right, well, whatever. Right. Coercion yeah. for success, it works. Yeah, but, uh, you know, again, I, I uh, always have a lot of respect for the man. I, I know him. I won't say him real well, but I do know him. And I came away with a lot more. Okay. Yep. So if you're in the uh, in the market for a Nicaraguan puro, uh, pick up yep. literally anything that he makes because they're all Nicaraguan puros. Absolutely. Yep. Yes, they are. So senior got a uh, a package dropped off at my house today, a cigar bib package, and Ben had thrown out. Uh, you know, we we've all been skulking around cigar bid a little bit here lately, and. Uh, ben mentioned some monthly cigar subscriptions, which I haven't gotten into that world yet. But uh, uh, other than obviously, you know, we're trying to support some stores during COVID. But how do you guys uh, get your your everyday smokes? Are you going online? Are you finding them decent well, prices in stores? What's your Jerry and Darlene is? go direct to the motherland and they pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they pick it yeah, up right right online. They just don't get it. Yeah, actually, roll it up and there it is. Actually, during the COVID, we actually did buy some online, but in most cases, we buy local because even when I was in the business, uh, our business commitment was to the B&Ms. Uh, my goodness, they're the backbone of the business, you know, and right now they're going through some pretty hard times. So, yeah. you know, hey, folks, buy local. Yeah. Well, now I did, uh, like Junior said, I got a cigar for you that we're in today, but I also... Uh, there's a shop in Memphis that I can get to, so I, I frequent it probably once a week or so and yeah. pick up some there. So I, I still, when I can, support the brick and mortar, but uh, with the volumes I smoke, I have to also do some online shopping. Right. Yeah. Well, when you're a copious smoker like senior there, you know, it's, it is wise, <laughs> you know, to buy on the internet. And I, and I, don't, I don't mean to disperse that or discourage it, but. Uh, no. Again, it's got its place, but you know, as much as as much as we can, especially with the current conditions, we do buy local, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the friends. That a lot of these people are good friends of ours. I see. Um, I tend to do a little both. There's just, there's basically one shop here that um, it's well, it's the closest one. There's other cigar shops around, but one that has like a dedicated like lounge, and you can actually order food from. With COVID, it's a little. It's not that open right now they're doing a lot of like bringing cigars out to you or you order them and they ship it to you or bring it to you um that's that's changed but they're still adapting and i think i still went over there you know just a couple of days ago and had a cigar because i was waiting on my, my my bike to get fixed so um that's you know so i do support them um but given where i am i do borrow from cigar bit every now and again yeah. um <laughs> so, as, as far as online uh, online sales got this place there's no doubt about that and don't get me wrong yeah but, uh, again and again, a lot of us do the fact that a lot of the local dealers used to be my accounts. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. I have a good relationship with them. And they're open back up for, they, they are opening their lounges back up now so that you can go there and smoke. And that's good. They have a limitation on how many people, you know, but it has opened back up in our area. It's a hey, tough man. business. I mean, it's a niche market as it is. Um, but. Yes. Yes. Did you say you were getting your bike fixed? Well, not fixed. It was just getting uh, service, the needed uh, oh. oil change or something like that. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't oh, okay. repaired. I just, it was just maintenance. Okay, so they took the training wheels off. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. They were worn off. There was no more tread left <laughs> yeah. on them, so they had to replace them. <laughs> yeah, Har Harley training wheels is what they are. Yeah, you know. <laughs> what, what we don't have here is cigar events. I don't know what kind, what you guys are experiencing, but... Uh, you know, with the limited capacity and everything, you're just not feasible for a lot of shops around here. Now we do have one shop, not too far from here, but <laughs> their their building is 8,500 square feet, believe it or not. And wow. believe me, wow. they could do social distancing, but that's that's like a one off around here. The rest of them are pretty much limited. Yeah, that's the way yeah, it is in our area. There's nothing going on. And, uh, they've only recently opened to where you could actually get back into the humidor. Uh, prior to that, it was all curbside pickup. Yeah. 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 So you're allowed to go into the humidor now? You are, uh, but they, well, you're, you're not all, they limit it to <laughs> the number of people that can be in there at one time. Exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh, see, the, see, the story's not quite being told correctly. They were letting people in the humidor. They just weren't letting him in the humidor. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. Very limited people in there. Exclusively to you. <laughs> well, we, you know, gotcha. we do ask Canadians to bring their passports. So. Yeah, Ben. Gotcha. What do you want from me? <laughs> I want you to move back to this country is what I really want. <laughs> I'm in the country. I'm in the yeah, country. Canadian exchange rate is not working. You know, God's sake. Yeah, not... you realize, do you realize on the rare occasion that, that I ship you some cigars, how much money it costs to ship internationally? I mean, for the love of God. <laughs> I'm 15 feet from the border. And I, he could just toss the, the box over to me. Like, let the sign, just, just toss it to me. <laughs> Carrying it on mooseback. Um, I haven't seen any cigar events around me, really. Um, it's as rare as it is uh, in my area in Canada. Um, but... You know, I, I think they're just literally <laughs> trying to keep enough business, um, either doing more online orders or just getting people to come in and buy and leave with just to stay afloat. Um, you know, there's a niche market as it is. And then yeah. with COVID, it's like, hey, there's even less people coming in. It's not like it's, a, it's not a mandatory thing. People don't have to do this. It's a it's a vice. And so to get people to kind of overcome the COVID, if you have fear of that to begin with and to go to the cigar shop, you know, um, I, I don't blame them. I, I'm surprised how well they're actually holding their own. They could very easily starve out you know and be stifled out with covid like this is not a business um i'm surprised i haven't seen more of that um but, but i'm sure it's hit some shops around the country what we've heard too is that so many people because they couldn't go to work they're working from home or whatever they're smoking a lot more we were smoking a lot more because we weren't going anywhere that's a good point so you know they had to get some cigars so they're buying them at, when they can at curbside or whatever to support the shops and uh, so they're they're buying more than they normally would maybe if they just went in and smoked one or two you know because yeah. they're smoking more well yeah, yeah. And if you remember so, from a couple of shows back we talked about the 2020 retailers uh survey that was a cigar aficionado if you remember 41 percent of the b&ms reported said that actually their sales went up during the lockdown so yeah that's a I good know. point interesting time I, I know with my working from home i, I mean when I was commuting back and forth to the office, I'd probably smoke once a week, usually on the way home one night, but working from home, I'm averaging probably four nights a week uh, that I'll go sit outside yeah. and smoke. I mean, and really with the lack of things going on, it's, it's just something to do. I mean, you, when you start working from home and then you get out of your chair and you move to the bed, then it's like, okay, I got to get out of the house. <laughs> to the front porch. <laughs> right. I need some air. Yeah. yeah. Turning into a hermit. That's a yeah, that's interesting. It's gone yeah, up. It's, it's just it's a different type. In his bathrobe. Oh God! So don't. Do, oh God! You look like cousin Eddie. Is that what it no, is? No, 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 no. Going down no, the drain. No, no. <laughs> the, no, 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 no. The backyard is, or excuse me, the back deck is much too luxurious for the bathrobe. I sit out in the front yard in my camping chair in my bathrobe. Okay, with spectators. <laughs> I mean, if we're if we're gonna go full on cousin Eddie, let's just go. <laughs> and then when, when people walk by, there's you have to do um, you have to do that Sharon Stone switching which leg you have crossed thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> switch over. Oh my God, that's a preview that nobody's ever gonna forget. <laughs> True. Down to the campground yesterday to smoke with me, and I told him he had to leave the bathroom at home. Yeah, don't take that shit with you. I, I'll wear pants in public for the most part. Uh, well, sometimes. <laughs> Not every time. Almost pants. Let I me mean, just say we are both wearing pants tonight. So. <laughs> that's great. That I'm proud of both of you, really. <laughs> Jerry, you remembered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He remembers things every now and then. It yeah. was a, it was a special day, fellas. <laughs> ben, let me ask you: with winter coming on, I know you guys probably have pretty good winters up there. What are you doing in the winter with to smoke? Um. So in the winter, sleeping is it glue? Now listen here. Now you listen here, Mark. That's um. I. That's the last. Uh, they don't have those in Canada. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, I just build a campfire. So. What what yeah. I so I'm not supposed to smoke uh, like outside of my apartment. It's in the lease. That's fine. So, um, but I can go 
outside. I mean, I do live near the beach, so the walk to the air is a little more moderated than, than inland. Um, it's yeah. not that bad. I just have to maybe sh smoke shorter times because sitting outside, mm -hmm. yeah, I get cold. But um, I still yeah. find ways to adapt. And then, you know, as it starts warming up a little bit, then I go back to the beach and stuff like that. Um, but typically, so before COVID this past winter, I could go to the cigar shop itself and use that lounge. And that was my getaway. Um, yeah. But as it sits, if I had a dedicated outdoor room that was heated, I've got a little propane heater with the or a propane tank with the heater on top. That helps to a point. Um, but sitting out in the open air, you know, it only has such an effect. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So yeah. I, 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 I slow down, you know, basically hibernate a little bit until it starts warming up. So that's yeah. just that's just part of the call. I mean, in fairness to the propane heater, those are not designed for minus 12. No, not <laughs> yeah. particularly. No, no. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's struggling. It's strong. It's putting off heat. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in an igloo and, you know, I get them. Because, I mean, we, we use those. We use one of those in Georgia when we go to Woodstock, you know. But, I mean, it's Woodstock, so it's like yeah, 45. It's yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. A little bit different. <laughs> Which we've missed you guys, too, for the last two years, speaking of that. Yeah. Both of you. Yeah, been. Mark. Hey, I, I invite you. You just don't show up. <laughs> now, now, don't get me wrong. I Don't get me wrong. I understand that it is an excessively long journey from Canada to the States, but damn it. Yeah. Gotta get a passport with the real ID shit and everything and, you know, flights. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, you can get on a plane. It'll get you here in like three hours. That's right. There you go. You That's can be uh, on a condensed. Ben, 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 it would be worth it. You got to remember, we're down there. We have three chefs in house. Okay. Oh the my food god. Is excellent. So yes. I, all I have to do is wash the dishes. It's a good deal, man. Yeah, we have a different cocktail every night. You know. Oh, don't say daiquiris that. Oh. and pina coladas <laughs> and burgers. So that's delta.com, is it? Isn't that Fort? where I need to? It's yeah. delta.com. That's where. There you going. go. That's it. That's Actually. It. You got uh, it. You Atlanta. It. You're getting the picture it, now. Yeah, Atlanta so, has uh, Spirit Airlines. They're they're dirty. That's cheap. what I'm that's taking to Orlando to in December. I'm going to Orlando yeah. using Spirit, and I hope I get there. So <laughs> now, when you get closer to the trip, though, keep yeah. an eye on what they call the big front seat. Um, the cockpit. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna let you drive, man. That's yeah. great. So, so what they call they call their version of first class big front seat but like coming back from miami to nashville it was like a 27 dollar upgrade yeah so yeah it's worth it <laughs> yeah because because otherwise you're attached to you're basically you tie yourself to a pole no yeah. i'm doing first class and first class means that you know i don't have to like hang my legs out of the window for space like i can, I can exactly. sit in the seat yeah. yes you know so so, senior, I guess you have the luxury of smoking in your truck, don't you? I do, absolutely. That's why yep. I have to do some of the online purchases. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. But you're climate control, so you're good to go wherever you are, huh? Pretty much. Uh, I'm good to go year-round. So. That's great. He's like that little man in Nicaragua that smokes 20 a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite up to that, but I'm working on it. Hey, if I can live, live to be 90, hey, I'm not there. There you go. Well, the interesting thing about Aristo was, you know, he's working right there. Anytime you want a cigar, he just grabs some tobacco, roll it, and smoke it, you know? so That's, that's the that's coolest thing kind of ever. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. And you know what? Like, he's not sick of it. You, you roll cigars, you deal with tobacco that much, you would think, oh, God, I'm just, you know, like if you work in retail or in the food industry, you make the same shit over and over and just eventually yeah, yeah. get sick of it. They, they don't. Yeah. They enjoy what they do dream. and they keep doing it. Yeah. He's living it's not a dream. job. It's a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really cool that that's, it's a weird, it's a niche market that you like enjoy doing what you do and you don't just like, oh, God, I have to go do this again. It's like, oh, no, I get to go make tobacco. Yay. You know, <laughs> it's a festival. That's amazing. And you don't, and believe, believe you don't realize just how good that fresh rolled cigar is. Oh, yeah. We oh, got yeah. to sample those. They were excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Junior well, we, and I were at a uh, shop in Madison, Alabama. And I can't remember the company right off the top of my head, but uh, they were in there and they had one of their rollers with them. And he was rolling cigars right there. You could get one and smoke it. I, I well, was you, very surprised. How does that smoke, that fresh roll tobacco, like he just rolled it, like it's not been sitting in, you know, uh, 
in a room and aging and all that. I mean, it's, it's the tobacco that's been fermented and ready to go. But when you smoke that, how does that compare to, let's say, one that you would buy in a retail store? Almost better. It, I, I don't know. There's a nuance about it, I guess. You know, standing there watching somebody, and that's a craft, you know, an art. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yes. To watch this guy roll them and then uh, him reach up and hand it to you, you know. They make like, it look easy, don't they? Yeah, and, I mean, he was rolling something with the uh, double wrapper on it where it had the, you know, the Connecticut and the Maduro lace uh, on it some of those I mean it was amazing at some of the stuff he was rolling he had to have been I guess classified I think they said as a master roller but it, it was amazing to watch and the, the smoke it's kind of like we talked about I think it was the last podcast though you know some of the cigars are better by the environment by what's going on who you're smoking with those kind of things Okay. So I think I think that added to it, but the ones that I can remember we got up there and smoked were, were excellent. Yeah, to it's me, it's kind of like getting that fresh cookie out of the oven, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. There's nothing it's like still a cookie good. right out of the oven. That's true. <laughs> That's very Except true. No chocolate chips. <laughs> yeah, to oh, me, it's chocolate um, chips in the cigars. <laughs> to me, when when they're fresh rolled like that and they just hand it to you and you smoke it, it's. Um, it's stronger, and and I don't mean in the in the nicotine sense. I mean just the flavors in general are stronger. It kind of yeah. like it would be something good for a a fresh smoker who wants to develop his palate to try, because the flavors are not as nuanced when they've sat there for a while. Everything mills out a little bit. It blends together, but like at at the beginning, it it all sort of I don't want to say hits you over the head, but kind of does. Yeah. Because each tobacco leaf is still kind of in its own elements. So you're smoking what I would assume it sounds like like three different, three or four different leaves, but you can, I guess, taste each one is still, it has its own strength. It hasn't melted together yet as much. Yeah, the, the nuances are still there that you can kind of lose after they age for a long time. Now, Jerry and Darlene, I want to ask you this. When you went on the tour, did they have any type of like cigar rolling shop or class? Like if you wanted to learn how to do it or practice it or something like that, did they have anything like that? No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. There wasn't any okay. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she said, <laughs> the entire process. There, there was so much to tell us, you yeah. know. Okay. We, we okay. did go to, and sit in a conference room one day and they had us test some cigars. He was pointing out the fact that sometimes you think a Maduro is going to be stronger than a Connecticut. But he handed us, he had one of us sit on one side of the table, the other partner on the other side with a blindfold. And they would give us two two or three cigars and say, which one of those did you like the best? Which one do you think was stronger? And it, it was surprising because sometimes the Connecticut was the stronger cigar. So he really? said, you can't judge, you can't always judge well, the, yeah. the depth or the strongness of a cigar by the color of the wrapper. Kind of goes with that old uh, misnomer about, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I first started smoking, I thought the darker it was, the stronger it was going to be. And that not is not necessarily true. We all know that. That is interesting. I wonder how that, hmm, I guess because of the way that the leaf has grown, developed, and mm -hmm. fermented yeah, I mean, and all that, depending on the... the binder and filler the same in the cigars, or with the different fillers? I really don't remember to tell you the truth. I, you know, again, a lot of it has to do basically, real basic stuff, like how much Lajero goes in a cigar, you know? But, uh, Well, that's yeah. what I was getting to. Yeah. I mean, you could you guys know you can make you guys know you can make a kinetic and knock your head off you yeah know that. and that was his point yeah. but like i said i think a lot of people i i know i thought that when i first started smoking but i, I learned differently but yeah it was it was different it was interesting to that it just and, and it pointed back to the fact that the blends are still different that you you can't just and you can't guess just by looking at you know did they show you like the blending process, like to develop a cigar? You know, we use, you know, it, like they not, start with basically not, a flavor profile no, and they show you how, the, how it's we blended. Didn't get in, we didn't get into that hardly at all because there, there was so much other stuff to get into, you know? Okay. Okay. Well, and that's kind of like the recipe for grandma's meatloaf. I mean, you're there not you going to get that. There you well, go. 
No, but I figured, you know, sometimes I'm like, hey, you know, for developing a medium to full cigar, you know, we typically will use tobaccos from this part of the farm or this lot or, right. you know, from Escalade or Condego, wherever they go. And sometimes, you know, they may not show you exactly how it's done, but, you know, like this is yeah. to get this profile. I don't know. I mean, I just thought it'd be interesting. Yeah. They did show it. us one part of the process where there's there's a couple ladies standing there sorting the tobaccos by the color of yeah. the leaves. And, and they're sorting them, you know, okay. so that every leaf they put in a stack is similar color and the others are a little lighter the others are a little they're basically they know what they are but they're they're sorting them by the color right and you guys probably already knew this but you know women almost exclusively do that job because they they claim that women have a lot better eye for color that is the most True. racist statement in the last well, more men are colorblind than women in fact, and it's a genetic thing actually I don't toward the end of the process they also have other women you know, cigars are not always identical. I mean, they both can have a, for instance, an Habana wrapper, but not everyone that's going to be done with a Habana wrapper is going to be exactly the same color. But they actually have women that separate those by color. Yeah. So when they go in the box, they're more uniform. That's the reason they do that. So they yeah. have uniformity across the line. Yeah. With now, when you're looking at those pilot cigars, do they all look the same to you? To me? Like, do they all look, have a, a, yeah, like when you're looking at them, like, I don't know how the hell they can tell what's different. They all look the same to me. No, no. you can see the difference yeah, you can in the see color. Them. You, you yeah. definitely can see them. Yeah. yeah. So you and can they see sort them, so... those out before they ever send them to the rollers, they sort those out. So when they take a stack of tobacco to one roller, she'll get all, or he will get all of the same color leaves for that, to roll that well, they get the same. They get the same, they get the same blend because they, they have the same blend the same but they wrapper, they, but they sort them out right. by color so that they are consistent when they go in the box even in wrappers though you're going to it's going to be lighter darker that sort of thing and they do have women that sort that out so when they go in a box and again that's how he is so determined for quality in every step yeah i mean and, you open a box of cigars they look alike they all do and even after the boxes is they band them they put them in the wrap in the cellos and they put them in the box. Then the box goes to another table and the girl goes through that box and, and looks through every cigar to make sure they are consistent before they get sealed. Yeah. Another step in the, in the quality process. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I want to ask you, you this. Know, when you were in the factory floor and you saw the torcedores, the rollers, um, I know like in society, you see a lot of men sporting, smoking cigars and not as many women. But from what I believe, there's a lot of, more women that roll them and are actually in there when you were in that factory did you see a diversity like more predominantly more women rolling or men rolling i, or I can't say about that half and half? women but i would say it was at least 50 50 if not more for women yeah 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 okay there were a lot of women that were rolling and the amazing thing is watching them roll a um, torpedo because you know how they taper them at the end and that was an interesting process to watch you know, just pretty much how they form the cap, and how they get that cap formed on there, make it so perfect. Yeah. You know, it's it's very interesting. But they know what they're it's doing. It's a lot more difficult than they make it look like. Oh yes, yeah. it would be. But they've been they do well, this every day. How many times? Senior was talking about a master roller. If I'm if I'm I don't, I think I'm correct about this, but I mean you're talking at least twenty years experience to be a master roller. Yeah, I believe that's the bit. It is, it is an absolute art form, it is. And I would say Arisa That's really cool. Garcia is at least 20 years experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say he's got about 60 years experience. And he's a 90 year old hound. <laughs> and he's still having kids, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ben, I think you're the colorblind one, but all you stare at all day is snow. So what you, the hell? You don't know. I, oh my God. I have, oh, they, get goggles. they have goggles with the, with the yellow Perdomo color film on the front that filters out the light um, and, and all that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, fine. You want to play that game. You, you know, you guys get snow once in a while too, I think. Yes. Oh, we yeah, like once sure a decade. Ohio. We sure do. Yeah. Colorblind. You're, you're colorblind. <laughs> we might see it once a year. Okay. Okay. Ben, nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> 
all these cigars are white. What the hell? They're just pitting out that it's the snow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't tell. Uh, oh, boy. It's pick on Ben Knight. Anyway. Yeah. It's always pick on Ben Knight. Yeah. Well, I can't come fight you because I'm all the way the fuck up here. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You're the prodigal son. You need to come back down here where we're. Yeah, you know, I'm working on it. Distance. I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm going to get married and move across the country again. Maybe that'll get me back down. I got to find a girl in Atlanta and then I'll just move down there. So, there you whatever. go. That's where there I go. go. Anyway, bottom line of the tour was well worth the time and the money. And I, I swear we got at least $475 worth of cigars. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a neat experience. Yeah. Thank God it was in February. We got back home on the 15th, back to the States on the 15th. And then March, things fell apart. So we're so, so thankful we were not out of the country when that happened. Yeah. You must have done the, one of the last <laughs> tours, I'm guessing, like towards the end. Probably was, yeah. yeah I think probably. you do them mostly in January and February because it's so hot there too, you know. How many times do they do this tours? I mean, normally, pre-COVID. Actually, they, they, the place we stayed in this, Lee, was actually an event center, okay, uh, that you can rent. He actually rents it in January and February exclusively so he can do these tours. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, because if you if you tried riding a school bus with the windows open from Managua up to Esteli in July, you probably have a few people wouldn't make it <laughs> from the heat. Way you too know what I'm saying? So January and yeah. February was good because <laughs> you're. Yeah. How do they work in the fields in that heat? Just something they're used to. I don't to, know. Man. They do I, it I, I, again. The, that, um, the whole process is so labor intensive. It's just astounding. I, I mean. We, we talk about that often, but until you actually see how hard these people work to make that great cigar, it, it's something. Even with all the machines, they still yeah. have hands on. There's just certain parts right. of it you just can't substitute still hand for, for hands. Most of the machines have just become to the packaging part of it, you know, going hey, in, into the, the four packs and all that kind of stuff because most yeah. of everything else is still done by hand. Recommend it highly. Okay. Hey, Ben. Yeah. I just want you to know that heat is the opposite of cold. Oh, for, I know that. <laughs> I know, it gets I know warm you don't up get here. That upset. We get double digit heat once in a while here. I know what, what's going two on. Two days a year? Double digit. That's, it's a good two days. Summer fell on a weekend this year, so I'm happy about oh, it. Oh, okay. You had a good weekend. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. But I'm not oh, running away from right. moose. Well, we definitely, uh, I don't know a better uh, statement to end it on than I'm not running for moose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing. So uh, definitely want to thank everybody for joining us here. Thank you to Darlene for stepping in with us for a night. And uh, yes. you're welcome. For the yes. Garrett's for both giving us the, the 411 on the um, Perdomo experience there. And we will... Uh, reconvene with you guys in about two weeks but uh, thanks everybody for listening this is the cigar tipsters podcast 